You are listening to Trials Talk with Chris and Kyle on the Sidious Mag podcast presented by Tracksmith. We're super excited to partner with Tracksmith, an independent running brand fueled by a deep love of the sport. They celebrate the amateur spirit and seek to inspire the personal pursuit of excellence. Tracksmith is pleased to be supporting 30 Olympic trials qualifiers in Eugene, including athletes across 14 different disciplines as part of their amateur support program. So here's a special offer for our listeners over the next couple days. Check out Tracksmith's essentials for racing and training, including the Strata kits that their trials athletes are racing in this week at tracksmith.com slash Sidious. You can use code Sidious to receive 10% off any order until the last day of the trials, which is June 27th. That's right, 10% off any order through the last day of the trials using code Sidious. Now, let's get right into the biggest performances and surprises with me, your host, Chris Chavez, and my co-host, Kyle Merber. All right, we're joined here with the one and only Ben Blankenship. A little bit of a surprise that you're here. I'm here in the flesh. When Ben texted me, I couldn't believe it. Ben never texts me unless he needs something. And here I am. So what's up? Oh, sorry. Not much, guys. I thought I'd come, share my story a little bit. I find it easier to talk than put it on a post or make a crappy video in my garage. This is out of character in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, you know, I was saying, as soon as you walked in, like when Ben wants to do an interview, we're going to jump at that opportunity. You don't do many of these sort of things. I never get asked. <laughs> I think there's a little bit of an intimidation factor. Yeah, there you too, go. Is that you're just I would so love to chat. The one question everyone wants to know, I guess, is your age, but that's the that's where oh. you... Are you, are you born in 88? Kyle and I are about the same age, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. 90, <laughs> You're 89. 90. Not, oh, never mind. Yeah. Get the hint, though, you That's know. Oh, so we finally got the answer. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right, we got that out of the we way. We got that out of the yeah. way. We don't know what Mark. Short interview. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. <laughs> and that's <laughs> it. All right. See you guys later. Uh, so, Ben, what was up? Because we hadn't seen you race at all since last August, yep. right? And same thing. This was, to see your name on the 1,500-meter start list was a surprise. But I think the even bigger surprise is because you had been banged up for this entire time, you made it to another round, and you had to put your body through a lot, just through the ringer one more time. So I guess give us the timeline wherever you want to start of where things kind of started to go awry and how we yeah. got to this point. You know, it was... Like everybody, right? You come in with these big goals, these big ad admirations, and you think, okay, you know, the world is my oyster, and it's how do we how do we get from point A to point B, right? And, and the first stop is Eugene, and then it's to Tokyo. And I really wanted to focus on Eugene. It was like, okay, you know, we planned out some races, and it's like, okay, this is how we'd like to come into Eugene. Mm -hmm. And going into the first race, it was like, something's wrong. Something's not right. Um, was it always 1500 because you did I did the 10k and I would like to believe you'd be a pretty damn good 5k guy based off of yeah. what I've seen out of you Thank but you. you were a finalist in the 1500 at Rio yeah so was it going to be 1500 once again or were you it was always going to be 15 okay I, I I toyed with the idea when Hassan and Pat ran that 10 and Pat got the standard I toyed with the idea of doing it but then on paper it just doesn't make sense it's like how do you recover and how do you feel after that? And then knowing that you'd want to run a fast 15. And I always hedged my bets on the idea that they were going to uphold the Olympic qualifier mm -hmm. in terms of the descending order list. I'm ranked. I'm high enough. I should be able to go off of that. So why chase a fast time? It was just, let's go compete. Let's go race. Put me in some good fields and see what can happen. 
So but that never materialized. Yeah. So when did <laughs> when did things go wrong? And like, what was the first chink in the armor? Uh, I had a really good session, and then I went out to jog, and it was like something's not right. And it was like four days to I think sound running, and I was like, okay, it's probably just some calf or something. Like, let's just no big deal. You know, everybody, you're always going to have something. And I thought, okay, this is my something. It's 10 days. This is in the spring, like March or so? Oh, no, this is April, oh, right? This okay. is like going into May. It's like that sound running May 7th or something. Okay. So I was all geared up for that. I wanted to race earlier, but I was in flag, and I thought, ah, I don't want to do too much. Uh, whatever. Let's just go to sound running, get it done with, and then, you know, put the pieces together after that. And then what happened? And then I fractured my tibia. It was like... One day I was feeling really good. The next day I couldn't run. That workout? No, I had a good workout. And then it was like two, three days later. It was just like I kept having this like throbbing pain. And I thought, oh, maybe my ankle stuck. Maybe my calf's really mm -hmm. tight. Blah, blah, blah. Can Just because we, we like asking these sort of yeah, questions. It was a good workout. What did you do? Uh, I did 4 by k up in Sedona. 4 by k 4 by k with like 400 meter jog. What are those in? Like low 230? Yeah, 230-ish, uh, okay. 400 meter jog. So you have plenty of recovery. And it's like, everybody does it, right? It's 10 days out from the first race. It's mm -hmm. let's just go through the gears of racing, right? Something hard, but not insane. And, and, when you do, there. and then when you do get diagnosed with the, the fractured tibia, I mean, was it something that you immediately knew? Like the timeline just is, there's not enough of a runway and then you just start canceling everything? Uh, you know, immediately, right? Like I think if you put everybody in an MRI machine, they're going to come back with something, mm -hmm. right? And maybe they feel it, maybe they don't, right? There's always that like underlying, like maybe your calf is just really tight. Maybe your ankle's really stiff and you're just not moving well. Mm -hmm. So I went and saw John and John and I just did tremendous amount of work. It was like take four. John Ball, right? John Ball, mm -hmm. right? And we just like sat on the table from, you know, all night getting work done. And it's like, okay, go out and run. And I was like, maybe I'm okay. Maybe I hear it's, it's painful to be on the table with him. It can be. It yeah. can be. You know, uh, I don't mind it. I actually respond really well to it. Um, it's mostly that I've always been so broken when I'm getting on the table. I'm like, this is my only option. <laughs> Just bite down on a wooden spoon and let's move forward with our life. Um, so I was doing that, right? It was like, get on the table. And then there was like one or two days that we felt really good. And mm -hmm. I was like, ah, oh, no big deal. It's, I'm sure that my tibia is hurt, and, but it's probably just my ankle. And then I ran for two days, and I was like, oh, no big deal, John. We're all good. I'm going to go back to flag. I got a session the next day. And then I got like 600 meters into the session. And I was like, I'm fucked. Mm. There's nothing I'm going to do here. And then MRI confirms it. Uh, that was I had the MRI like three days prior to that. So the MRI confirmed that I had this fracture or this stress fracture in my tibia. And I still did this workout thinking like, ah, maybe it's just my ankle. Maybe it's something else, right? Mm -hmm. You're just not moving well. I guess for those at home, like they think they're hearing you say the MRI said you have a fracture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you turn around and you do a session. Is that just you ignoring doctors or orders or is it the fact that MRIs aren't as perfect not of exactly, a science right? as, yeah, yeah. exactly. And I yeah. think like, I, I, and I go back to my earlier statement right like you could put somebody in an mri machine and it'll show something yeah. right it'd be like okay maybe this is cause for concern but maybe they never notice mm -hmm. maybe it never gives them a red flag and i really stupidly because you think about the trials and you think of tokyo you think about your dreams and you think ah, this this isn't gonna this isn't gonna bother me so how long do they tell you that you're gonna have to take off six to eight weeks 
and I was seven weeks to the trials. Seven, uh, seven weeks, not from the trials to my first round, because mm -hmm. they were like, oh, seven weeks. And I looked at them, like, oh, I have a little. No, I don't have that much yeah. time. <laughs> we'll be all right. <laughs> and then it was just like, get in the pool, like, look at Colleen Quigley, right? Always in the pool, She's always the on pool. a bike, yeah. exactly. And I was like, I can do this. I'm motivated. Have you done that before? Never, never have I ever had to resort to the pool. And here I am <laughs> learning to swim, you know, seven weeks before the trials. So what would you have done previously for cross training? Because you've been hurt plenty of times in your career. Miraculously, it's always been at the right moments. Like in 12, I was, there's was nothing I could do. It's just like you had surgery, you don't recover. And why cross train? Like you have to learn to run again. So there was no real need. So I've always miraculously got hurt in the fall where there's nothing on the calendar. It's like, oh, your body just needs a break. Mm -hmm. I've never been hurt a few weeks from a race. Did you feel like it kept your fitness up? Yeah. I mean, I think it showed, right? That like yeah. I, I ran probably 10 times between when, when my last session on the track was to now, to sitting here now. With a diagnosis like this and just knowing the runway wasn't really there, 32 Kyle's retired. I mean, there's other guys around you that are like, also like you, you hear that and you would think that's it. Like the Olympic dream is done for this. You had already done it in 2016, but what, what was the motivation towards doing it again? And really, I mean, yeah. spending those hours in the pool. I mean, I'm sure it sucked so it many times. <laughs> and like, why did you want to do this again? Uh, I, I, I watched 12 from afar. Mm -hmm. I had a good season at 11. I got hurt in 12, and there was no way I was going to be able to run at it. And I watched it on TV, and I, I told myself during those trials, whatever, if I ever get an opportunity to do it, I'll go. It's the U.S. championships. It's the U.S. trials. you got to go because you never know. Mm -hmm. You could stand on that line, and guys could crumble around you. It's the trials. Their hopes and dreams are on the line. See what happens. So yeah. what mentally your timeline you know, we heard a little bit about it physically, but you get the news. Yep. Are you devastated? Or you're like, no, let's go right to work. Uh, yeah, right to work. I mean, I just, I didn't have enough time to be like, okay, I'm going to take four days off. It was like, I sat at John's office and it was like, let's write down on a scratch of paper. What do you, at the core, what do you need? What do you need to feel confident going into the trials? So we wrote this laundry list, and then we just started scratching stuff out. It's like, you're not going to have time for that. You're not going to have time for that or that. And it was like, okay, we're left with like three things. Well, where are the three? Or like some cardio. cardio. You need to go in and be able to get through the rounds, mm -hmm. right? So you have to be able to recover. And then the second part is you need a little bit of pounding prior. You couldn't go into the trials and be like, this is going to be my first run. It'd be like a fish out of water, right? And I and I think you saw that a little bit. It was like I didn't have enough running to actually move well, mm -hmm. right? So that was like the two, right? And the second was you need to just go through race pace. You need to get out and do one session at race pace and probably a longer effort. So right? did you do that? I Hassan luckily was doing like okay. And I was like, I'll just hop on the back of the K. And we'll see how this goes. I made it 800 meters. In what, like 158 or something? Oh, I wish. I was 62, and I was like, Ben, no problem. You're 62, you're going to run a 58, and it's going to be fine. It's going to be what the first round will be like, 64. And I was like, okay, I'm just done it. This was how many days before the this first This 10 days out. 10 days before the first Yeah. Round. Okay. And then you did one longer session? Uh, I did two miles out at Priest Trail or out at South Amazon mm -hmm. at five minutes. And I was like, okay, we're done. That's it. That's all we're going to do. It was just 
just what it was going to be, you know. I saw you on the warm-up jog, and it's sort of like, even just going for that warm-up jog, I feel like you were even playing a cautious there, right? Like it's, there's only a certain amount of juice left in this battery yeah. to exhaust. Yeah, and I, and I screwed up probably the first day. The first day, I didn't realize how long they were going to hold us. Um, so I warmed up a little premature and time I got down underneath, I was like, I'm probably 10 minutes too early on this one. Mm. So the next day I kind of figured it out. So, yeah. So when you make it through the first round at this point, is it, it, what are you feeling? Is it like, God, all right. I mean, I guess I got to do this again one more time. And and, nervous. (laughs) Were you in pain? (laughs) I know. You know, I think you stand out on the line and all that stuff kind of disappears, right? Like from 200 meters to 400 meters to 800 to 1200 was the fastest I've run in two months, right? Yeah. It's like PR and all the way through. <laughs> and John's like, it's going to fall apart. It's going to fall apart. And I held it together. And you could see like in the first round and my dumbest decision was at 200 to go. I was like, I'll just swing wide right here. These guys are letting me in it. <laughs> I swung wide. And I was like, I don't have the fitness for this guys. So the last 100 meters was miserable. It was miserable. How did you feel the next day waking up? Uh, I felt okay. It wasn't the worst. It was just knowing that I thought in my head I was in 339 shape. I thought worst case scenario, all out, perfect race. I could run 339. I probably can't tactically run 339, Mm -hmm. but all out on a good day, I'd run 339. But, but I'm probably in 342 shape tactically. And that's where I ended up the next day. So you had asked me before we hopped on, you referenced the fact that I was also injured in 2016 before the trials. And I had a slightly more favorable timeline than you. So I had gotten a stress reaction. So it was five weeks in my sacrum. And then I had five weeks and I think four or five weeks to prepare until the trials. Post the five weeks. Yeah. So I was in like probably the best shape of my life. Had to take five weeks I like that. Everybody's in the best shape of their life. (laughs) Well, that's why you get hurt a lot. Exactly. You filed so sharp. It's like, guess how I got here. (laughs) I flew too close to the sun and now I'm hurt. (laughs) And so I I had to do five weeks and I did about three hours a day of cross training. Wow. And then I came back. What was your cross training? um, I would do a combination of... Well, in the beginning, because it was sacrum, I couldn't even swim without pain, and I was wow. doing arm bike. That's miserable. And I, then eventually, I, I did a lot of uphill treadmill walking at like wow. a really fast pace, and then uh, like I would like. But that's was, miserable. No, was, I, was, you're, I was. You're walking, and you're like, uh, how am I gonna run? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and then eventually, I got to the point where I could bike and swim. Okay. And so what I would do is I would do 90 minutes of one thing in the morning, 90 minutes of something else in wow. the evening. And so then I came back in the first couple of weeks, I was still like in pain going for runs. Yeah. And then eventually but I... you went for runs. I, you didn't double down and just say, okay, I'm just doing sessions. No, I... The, uh, I, I was doing basically a session every other day. Yeah. But in the beginning, it was basically like run 100 meters. Okay. You went that way. Like walk 100. And See then how it responds. 200 on 100. <laughs> I did a lot of things with short rest. Yeah. So it's not, I did I was able to do more workouts than you, and then after three weeks I hopped in a race. I ran three forty one, and then that's the, pretty good. Yeah, and then the week before the trials, I time trialed a, a twelve hundred in practice. And I ran two fifty. Wow! And then I went to the trials, and the first round felt terrible. Yeah. Then the second round felt really good. I think. Wait. Uh, I think we might have lined up in the first or second round. Wow. We had well, we have a cool picture of us looking at each there other running go. down the home straight away. And then by the third round, my legs were jello, and I knew I had no shot. <laughs> yeah. 
and that's a miserable feeling. Yeah, it's miserable. But no, it's a, I'm, and this is something that I had spoken about previously. Is you see everyone line up, and you just assume because they're here that they're healthy and yeah. things are good. And people don't realize that everyone is taped together. Yeah, or yeah. many of the athletes oh, are taped, taped together. together. Yeah, because everyone, as we we're saying, is trying to be in the best shape of their yeah. life. And when and, that happens, and the timing gets wrong. razor thin. Yeah. And you and you plus there's the the factor that sometimes people publicize what their training is and all that kind of stuff. You were dead silent this entire I, period. And I and I think that's the toughest part, right? We live in a new era about mm-hmm. everybody's you know transparent and they're posting on social media and they're like, look how great my life is. I'm at the track and everything's great. I have a really tough time even when I'm in you know the best shape of my life to even talk about it. It's like who cares? Mm-hmm. But. For me, and I think this is like my disclaimer, and that's kind of why I'm here today, I think is I didn't want to tell anybody. I thought if I get to the first round and nobody knows the shape I'm in, well, that only works for my advantage, right? right? It'll be called out pretty early that like Ben <laughs> isn't the same Ben he was last year or what he should be. But I thought, okay, if I sneak into the first round, maybe I get a good heat, my second, my semis, and... It just falls my way. You weren't as far off as I you, you thought beat, you would be. You beat a couple guys in each one of those rounds. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know what it says about the healthy guys who, who lost to you. <laughs> and like, it was just, how do I, how do I strategically time this, right? It's like, what's the best way? You can't tell too many people, right? And it's just staying quiet, showing up, and then looking like, you know, an Aztec warrior. And that was kind of my plan. It was a lot of curls, a lot of pull-ups, a lot of push-ups, you know, that direction. I went that way in case anybody wanted to arm wrestle. (laughs) Something I'm just curious on since we have you, you know, you're talking about social media and how transparent. Yeah, please follow me. But that you're not really in that world too much is where do you stand on this whole idea of certain people in the sport transitioning to like the youtube culture and a little bit more self-promotion because you're you're old school you're, I, it yeah. seems like you occasionally I, post an instagram because you yeah. have to uh yeah and that's a little bit true i i get a lot of pressure right i see everybody else doing it and i feel like ah it'd be good for you know the youth and everything like that um but i also you know one of the reason i showed up is because i get paid to race they pay me to race and i felt like I have to go to that line. I'm a professional athlete. If I can stand on both legs, then I might as well do it. Mm-hmm. Is Was there any obligation with Nike OTC to come out and race? Or that was your decision and you felt like you owed it to them? I felt like I owed it to myself more than anybody. It wasn't any corporate. It wasn't my coach. Uh, I felt like I owed it a little bit to John Ball that like he spent every waking day putting me back together. Like I'd go to a session and I'd like cripple my way back into his office and I was like, I'm broken again. You need to put me back together. And I'd walk out, you know, fifty percent and then I'd go break myself again. And he's like, This is this is a terrible process, yeah, but yeah. this is the process we live in. So where do we go from here? Uh I'm gonna get healthy and then kind of sort it out for the rest of the summer. You know, if truly if I would have had two more weeks, if it was in July, and I think everybody says that, right? Mm-hmm. Their timing gets off and they're like, Oh, I'm in fourth if I had two more weeks. If I had two more weeks, I would have been pretty healthy. I had an unbelievable summer right after. Yeah. My And, you know, to your point, it's like the timing. It's just a little bit. Yeah. And I bet if you had two more weeks, we I would have be won. seeing you in the final <laughs> um, tomorrow. But uh, so, yeah. So you're are, did you run today? Are you running tomorrow? No, I'm not. I I'm way too early. Right. I just 
it was like, you're not going to be healthy. It's not going to be 100%. You're just going to have to deal with it. So I've dealt with it for, you know, two weeks now. As someone who's had the closest look to the fields uh, that are going to be in oh, the yeah. final, I mean, what do, do I want to predict? Do you want to, I guess, kind of share, like, your perspective on, like, who's who do, who's really looking good? Oh, man. And, uh, I mean, are, is there anyone we're, we're kind of discounting right now? Because... <sighs> I mean, I saw it. I saw it. I had a really good view because it was in the back. So I saw everybody. (laughs) Um, What I what I think I saw this trials right is determination. I and I and I think one of the races that really inspired me was Abby Cooper. Mm -hmm. I I think her last K, one it had to hurt, but every step it looked like this might this might be where it falls apart, and she just kept running. And I was really inspired by that. I was like, okay, this is just determination every meter, and. She almost did it. I mean, to her credit, she almost did it. Is there anyone in the fifteen hundred that you think has that? I don't. I don't know. I think it's tough. I think I'd like to see a Garrett Heath type type of effort where somebody takes it into their own hands and goes, "This is my race. I have to run it this way if I'm going to give myself a shot." I'd like to see something like that. Yeah. Centruitz. I mean, can we can we talk about just politically kind of... dodging? The... Yeah, I am. No, lay it on me. Centruitz. Yeah, people discounted him so much at the very beginning of this season. It's foolish. It always is. It always <laughs> is, right? Because he always comes in a little bit like this, right? Yeah. And I think if he's gonna show up, he's gonna show up ready to run. Mm-hmm. He's never. He has it. There's never been a U.S. champs. He showed up and isn't himself. So, all right, looking at Ben Blankenship now, long term, wow. what not only just like this summer, but now is it the time that you're going to start looking towards the 510K? Or are you moving up? Or are you staying in the 1500? Do you have, you know, uh, I, I unfinished think it, business? Uh, I think it really depends on how this fall summer looks. Mm-hmm. And then really depends on what next year looks like. We're just not that far away, right? Like, we're just not that far from world champs, right? Or even an indoor champs. Indoor champs isn't far. World Cross isn't that far away. Oh. It, it, it is like a really like – the calendar is stacked up for the next three, four years. Yeah. Really good time to be in like the track media business. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a job position? <laughs> application? Yeah, we need a new intern. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks, I'm, Kyle. <laughs> I'm looking at these, these PRs. 334 from 2016 in the 1500. 334.26. Damn it. Yeah, there you go. That's sick. Uh, I, I want to clarify. A lot of my racing is racing. That is yeah. I have not oh, no, done 100%. very many time trials in yeah. my life. I'd like to jump on this time trialing. Kind of like uh, to bring it back a couple days ago when we've been here at the tr- uh, the Tracksmith house, like Nick Willis is just playing a bunch of races on TV. Yeah. And the DMR world record came up. It's basically I a time here. Yeah. But what did what did you say to Chariot at the very beginning when when he, uh, you guys get the baton and you kind of just like stuck your hand out? It was like take it. I I don't think I said anything. It was okay. just like what I what I told our I can't think of who was who was our eight hundred like Brandon oh, Johnson. Brandon Johnson. Yeah. I told him don't don't give it to me in front. I don't want to be in front. Like if you're shoulder to shoulder with somebody, just you know just give it to me in second. I don't want to be out in front and then I have to just. And Brandon split do. like one forty. Yeah, it was an unbelievable race, and he had like yeah. this last twenty meters. So I was like, oh man, don't do this to me. And I just didn't want to be in the front. Like I'd done a lot of Big Ten DMR stuff, and I was like. I, I don't know who Tim Chariot is, right? And then the world discovered who he was. Yeah, it's important to note that no one is early on. Yeah, 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 nobody knew who he was. 
and I was like, I don't, I don't want to just rabbit somebody for 1,600 mm-hmm. meters. That's not what I want to do. So I just let him go, and surely he went. Yeah. So he's learned that like a 50 opening <laughs> lap is a little fast. It's too quick. It's yeah. too quick. Um, not uh, one of my favorite Ben Blankenship stories that I tell okay. is the day before that meet. The world relays we're doing, you know, some pre meets and we run a 200 and we run it. You lead out a 200 and you run to a 31 or something and you cross the finish line and you go, perfect. I just got to do eight of those tomorrow. (laughs) Kyle's like, that's way too slow. like, what? No, no. You have to go faster than that tomorrow. What are you talking about? And uh, and then, of course, in our hotel room, I told you, make sure you run through the line. (laughs) Thank God. Yeah. So. I guess looking ahead to, to something like next year, uh, you've been in the OTC system for a while now. Yeah. I mean, what's what's made it work for this long? Because, you know, some people switch things up late yeah. stages of their career, but you are sticking to the system and the plan. Yeah, um, I think it's Mark. I mean, I have to give all credit to Mark that, like, no other coach would give me the freedom that he gives me. Like, Like, even during this process, it was like, he was up at and flag. And then it was like, suddenly I kind of disappeared. And then mm-hmm. we had this conversation. I was like, I don't know what my health status is. I don't know what it's going to be going forward. And he was like, just do whatever you need to do. And then I saw him the day before the prelim. And I was like, I don't know what will happen. Like, let me just go out and race. He's given me all the freedom in the world to do whatever I feel is necessary. Yeah. I think that's something that would be interesting to a lot of people. I think that there's this assumption that, every pro has a coach that just says do this and the athlete just says okay but at this stage in a career especially certain athletes who like taking on some level of responsibility it really does become a little bit more of a collaboration yeah you know what you like to do you know how you respond to things you're an athlete who thinks a lot about what you need and you've experimented on yourself to see what works and what doesn't and so it is a little bit more of a conversation Mm -hmm. than just direction yeah and i think that's what mark has allowed me to do right i i don't think all coaches would be as flexible as mark has and he's definitely listened to me and then been like you're an idiot like none of this makes sense like what are you thinking here and then he's like okay this why it won't work like this is this training just won't work like let's rewrite some of this is there any example you have in which you said i want to do this and he says (sighs) no do not do that um not nothing off the top of my head usually it's 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 too much usually it's like all right i'm gonna do this eight mile tempo and then come back with like 10 200s and then the following day i'm gonna do this like you know hour-long tempo run and then you know three days from now i'll do something stupid and he's like this you just don't need to do all this um so he's been really good in that way um but what i think i've learned is that like when you're up at camp or you're by yourself training you have to be able to make decisions on the fly you can't say okay, this is what's written and this is what's going to work. That's just not how training works, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's a big difference between like I'm hurting and I want to change it to like it's really windy or it's really hot or it's cold or like I don't have track assets today, so I have to just change. Yeah, I think there's two big mm-hmm. you know, differences in that. One thing that I want to touch on before we get to like the final questions that yeah. I ask every guest is uh, – the race that you sponsored during indoor season, yeah. uh, kind of what are your thoughts on like the way 
the sport has had to have you know people step up within the past year. It was a hard time for financially for yeah. for the sport, and you were one of those athletes. Tiana Bartoletta as well, like I yeah. think, went on to sponsor an event during the American Track League. Um, and it was just like you found a way while you couldn't be there to give back to the sport. Is that something you think we'll see more of or uh, that you you don't think should be like a thing because other companies should maybe invest in the sport? What what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think there's two things, right? Mm-hmm. I, I love seeing like Tracksmith and Lululemon jumping into the game, right? I think they're going to change the dynamic of the way we look at track and field and how we're kind of stuck between just the few companies, mm-hmm. right? And I think by opening it up and having these bigger discussions. And I think the younger guys like, you know, Tin Man have revolutionized the idea of like, this is how much we're going to share and this is our stories. And you can see that buy-in. I'm probably a little too old for that. I, <laughs> I'm just not going to do that. Let's be honest, right? Like I want to show up and race. I don't care about like being on camera and being like, here's my peanut butter toast every morning. <laughs> like I'm just not a very exciting. So, I guess in the spirit of the the questions that we always ask, yeah, we had brought this up a couple of days ago. Minnesota, where Joe Klecker was on, yeah, Mason Furlick. What's up with Minnesota? Minnesota produces tough kids. Um, I, I think there's a lot of reasons. Um, I think the talent pool is really deep, um, and I think for some reason, I think the weather really blends itself, especially to. To guys that go on to do stuff longevity wise, um, and I think maybe that's because of the winter. You just can't train that well in the November, December, January. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Joe had said something yeah. similar. Like you, you find another sport, or you, you know, screw around with your friends or something, and you just take that time off. You know, unlike these New York kids, who are like I'm busting down the door indoors. <laughs> Indoor track. Exactly. Yeah. Like we just don't do that. And for so long, Minnesota, I think as as an entity, as a high school entity, was like, you can't leave the state to race. You can only race the guy in the next city over. And that's that's what we did for the longest time. All right, final questions we yeah. ask every guest. Please. Do we get a Mount Rushmore of? Mm, a Mount Rushmore of Minnesota? At track University athletes? or overall? Uh, Ooh, let's that go would with be people a... from the state. Runners Ooh. out of Minnesota. Oh, that's tough. Like four. Four, four. spots. Four. Man, I don't know. Uh, you would probably put Gary Bjorkland in it, right? Mm-hmm. You'd probably put Steve Pacentia on there. The other two would be tough. Uh, Some women in there, let's see. Yeah, there'd be... I mean, Kara Goucher would be from oh, Minnesota yeah? as well. Um, Dick Beardsley would yeah. be potential... I, it just depends on how if you want to go far back or what. How do you how do you judge this? You know, I think Mount it's Rush- all time. One Mount Rushmore is just kind of despicable, right? Like we <laughs> built presidents into rocks. Like who cares? <laughs> That's a dumb question, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, it's Chris's question. <laughs> all right, here's here, we'll get to the ones that I do ask. Okay, you please. Meanest thing you've ever read about yourself on Let'sRun.com? I don't read it. I can't do it. I can't do it to myself. <laughs> I can't. I just can't. I'm sure there there has been like. I, I do honestly, you know the last time you ever checked it? I do not check it. Okay. I Honestly, that's the Fair one enough. thing I've told myself that I just don't do. I watch a ton of races. I watch copious amounts of races. I try to wake up, have coffee, and say, like, I'm going to spend 20 minutes watching races every morning. Really? Yeah. That's a what good is routine. the most underrated race that you think people don't pay enough attention to? Uh, world Relays. <laughs> 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 they, they should really answer. Uh, I don't know. I think there's... 
a tremendous amount. Um, I think especially kind of the early days of women's running, I think those races are probably underappreciated because I think you've had such a long longevity in men's races, right? Mm-hmm. You can go back centuries and women's races really came on. And then it was like, like think about the women's steeple, right? Yeah. It's like the event got started and then immediately it's in the Olympics and you have these 12 women's in a final for the first time. And the, then just got created, right? Mm-hmm. They had some expeditions, but never at a global level. There so I think go. there's some some of those races to go back and watch. What's your funniest drug testing story? Uh, I don't know. Um, I think probably like sitting there for an hour, right? You, that's that's not that, bad. That's yeah. not bad. That sounds very efficient compared to like some other people who have like had to spend like three four hours with like the drug tester yeah. or anything. Guy's like got that. a great bladder. Yeah. yeah. And I don't probably run like 1500 meters, right? You're just not running far enough. So, <laughs> If you could go on a run anywhere in the world with anyone from history, wow. assuming they could hold a nice little conversational pace with you, where would the run take place and who would it be with? Ooh, uh, I don't know. I've never, I haven't thought about that. Uh, I got Leuven. Leuven is one of my favorite places. Yeah. <laughs> no, Chris Schaff is in Leuven. See you this summer. Uh, I don't know. I think I would have to think about that one. Um, I don't know. Do you, like yours? A, do you have like a personal hero outside of sport? Uh, you mean like outside of like, yeah, like beyond running, like, like a politician, a celebrity, anything? No, because I don't. This is my big thing, and and maybe I'm touching on other two conversations. You just don't know what people do when you're not around them, right? You just have no idea. So like, my trust in anybody is like a zero. <laughs> <laughs> but I just like you go home. Who knows what you do at your own house? I don't know. I think it's appropriate that Ben would say he wants to go for a run by himself. Yeah. In Flagstaff. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. I'll Probably. give that answer for you. Yeah. And the last one has nothing to do with running. Please. You get 25 shots from half court on a full-size basketball court. If you make one, you win $25 million. Okay. If you don't make any, you go to jail for 25 years. Ooh. Would you attempt the shots? Yeah. 100%. Do you have a basketball background? No. Kid loves no. money. I love money. <laughs> I love, but this is the thing. This is this you ever one, see him do a road mile? He'll travel anywhere. For a road mile. I love money. I love money. But this gets back to the like Fred Curley. Fred Curley put it all on the line, right? He was like, I'm probably a shoe in for the four hundred or for the four hundred, but that hundred, that's gonna pay me a lot of money. I'm gonna go do the hundred. Yeah. I'm gonna take the shots. 25 years in jail, mm, I'd do a lot of push-ups, and I'd look pretty good coming out of it. But 25 million bucks, you'd never see me you again. You wouldn't have to hang out with anyone you can't trust. <laughs> never. One other thing I kind of picked up on just over the course of the week, Fred Curley is the most popular sprinter for distance runners. Like every distance runner we've yeah. spoken to this week has said, I love Fred Curley. Yeah. It's the Twitter. It's the balls that he's got to, to pick at that event. Yeah. Like it was, it was, it's very interesting. Get him on the pod. We're gonna, yeah. I don't think he, he was the type of guy who I don't think would do a pod, but maybe just ben like Ben. Can chip test with us. <laughs> wow. Let's see what I can do. Yeah. All right, Ben. Well, I appreciate you doing this and no uh, looking forward to this comeback. Yeah. Well, it's, don't call it comeback. Yeah. Yeah, he never left. I never left. I'm All still right. here. Comeback would be like if Kyle came back. <laughs> <laughs> but he ain't coming back. <laughs>